Well, there's nothing like getting a great night's sleep, and I get that with my Sleep Number bed. And my friends at Sleep Number have introduced the most amazing bed ever. It's the new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed, designed to keep each of you extremely comfortable for your best possible sleep. And like all their beds, Sleep Number 360 Smart Beds let you choose your ideal firmness and support on each side of the bed. Now with new responsive air technology, the bed senses your every move. My sleep number setting is 90. My sleep IQ score last night was 82. And it's time you meet the bed that could only come from sleep number, the 360 smart bed, and that's the only place you'll find it. Now's a great time to come in during their lowest prices of the season where you can save $500 to $700 on their most popular 2016 beds. Visit any of the 550 Sleep Number stores nationwide. Call 1-800-390-9100 or visit sleepnumber.com to find a Sleep Number store near you. And be sure to tell them George Norrie sent you. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back. You're listening worldwide to Coast to Coast AM. Lawrence Krauss is with us. His book, The Greatest Story Ever Told So Far. Lawrence, there seems to be so much order in the universe. I mean, it's like everything has a reason and it all works. Doesn't that imply that there's intelligent design out there somewhere? No, well, that's, uh, I mean, that's a natural tendency people have. We want to look for reasons for things. But right. even as Darwin showed us a long time ago, you know, order, design is in the eye of the beholder. You have to be very careful. You can look, you can look at these beautiful Christmas ornaments and say, well, clearly they're designed, but then what they really are are electron micrographs of snowflakes, just water molecules. If you have water, it's a polar molecule. The laws of chemistry and physics produce these incredibly beautiful patterns. Or you can say, talk about geodesic domes and say, look, Buckminster Fuller was brilliant. Clearly, only humans could develop those kind of things. But then, in fact, if you take soot, just soot, and you look at it, we find these mo- molecules called carbon-60, Buckminster Fullerene, that form geodesic domes. So... Huh. The, the, the appearance of design does not imply design. And, and just as Darwin showed that, you know, bees aren't designed to see the colors of flowers, it's just if they, if they couldn't, then they wouldn't reproduce and we, we, wouldn't be around. We, what we see as a universe that appears to be designed for us is not designed for us. In fact, more likely, it's not, not only is it not fine-tuned for us, we're, more, we're fine-tuned for the universe. Namely, we evolved in a universe that allowed us to evolve. The fine-tuning is, is sort of the same as, as saying, isn't it amazing that my legs my, go all the way down and exactly to touch the ground? <laughs> okay, here's one of my reasons for this incredible design. It, as, as strange as this is going to sound to you, but on this planet, we obviously need water to survive. Grass needs yeah. it, trees need it, plants yeah. need it, we need it. Who would design something called rain to bring water to things that need it or they would die? And that that simple thing I look at and I go, God, there's some incredible intelligence here. Well, you know, but think about it this way. We're life forms that evolved to need water in an environment in which there was rain. If there wasn't, you know, if we lived on, on Titan where there may be... You know, liquid methane. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we might find ourselves, uh, yeah, although it's highly unlikely there are such life forms there, finding our, ourselves eating liquid methane. It's not too surprising that life in a water-governed planet that life evolved that that required water, and moreover that rain forming is just. I mean, it's as na- natural 
it's no more surprising than the condensation on your mirror when you take a shower. It's just the natural properties of water. And so, and the, the nice thing about this, by the way, is that water is ubiquitous in the universe. It's all over the place. And the, element, the things that life arose on Earth about as early as the laws of nature would have allowed, about 500 million years after the Earth formed, which is when the, the bombardment of asteroids and other things died down, and, and uh, what we need, if we're any example of, of whether life can arise, you just take water, organic materials, and sunlight, and life appeared to arise relatively quickly. And what's fascinating is all of those things exist in the universe. Water, we can also see the, the basis of amino acids and comets and out in the interstellar space, and clearly sunlight. So it bodes well for the likelihood that, that life exists elsewhere in the universe. But you know what? If there wasn't water, how can we say that other life forms that don't need water might not evolve. We don't know the locus of all possible things that, 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 that life might take the form of. And so I think you're turning things on the head. You say, isn't it amazing that, that because we need water and, we, and, and rain exists, that it looks like it's designed for us? But I think you have to say, no, we evolved an environment in which it rained regularly, and life was able to exploit that fact to, uh, to continue to reproduce successfully. Are you are you in awe at what's going Absolutely. on on this planet? Me too. I'm in awe. I think knowing, you know, that's the thing from my point of view. You don't have to invent all sorts of, of fairy tales or, or myths. It, the universe is absolutely amazing as it is. In fact, it's more amazing than anything the human imagination can come up with. The imagination of nature far exceeds that of humanity, which is why we have to keep looking. Every time we open a new window on the universe, we're surprised. And I'm in awe every time I look at a Hubble Space Telescope picture of the amazing things that happen in the universe. You know, we just discovered gravitational waves from black holes colliding three billion light years away. It's taken all of humanity's history before we could develop an instrument that could do that. But the amazing thing is the universe is so big and so vast and so old that if you work it out, somewhere every few minutes black holes are colliding. Every second somewhere in the universe a star is exploding. It's, it's almost unfathomable. The universe is so amazing. Now, are you saying that our presence here is a fluke or luck? Yep. <laughs> and, it's, you know, and the point is there are 100 billion stars in our galaxy, each con- containing many, many planets probably, so there sure. are 100 billion solar systems. And it's not too surprising that, um, that we, we find ourselves living on a planet that allows us to live. It would be kind of amazing if it weren't the case, it would be quite an interesting radio show to talk about it if we could live on this planet. You, you're going to go ahead. You, you know, if there's so many different possibilities, finding ourselves on one of them is, is it has no special significance except for the fact that it allowed life to rise. And it seems so special, but if there are many possibilities, wherever you are, you're going to feel special. You know, the physicist Richard Feynman used to point out that the easiest person to fool is yourself, and everything that happens to us that seems to have significance. You can have a million crazy dreams uh, over thousands of nights, and then one night you'll dream that your friend breaks their arm, and the next day they break their leg, and you say, oh, wow, clairvoyance. But it's just you don't remember all of the crazy dreams. So he used to go up to people and say, you won't believe what happened to me today. You won't believe what happened. And people say, what? He'd say, absolutely nothing. <laughs> At the uh, age of 15, I had an argument with my science uh, teacher, Mr. Strom, uh, where we would talk about planets, in, uh, and I would tell him, I would say, Mr. Strom, you know there's more than just the nine planets in our solar system. They're everywhere. They're all over the place, because I believe 
that the complexity of the universe, the primordial soup, is the same. And he would argue with me, Lawrence. He would say that's not the case. We haven't found any more planets. It's just ours in our solar system. Uh, but sure enough, this kid, me, with no scientific <laughs> knowledge, no major telescopes, nothing to find out other planets, I was right. And he was you were wrong. right. And, 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 it's nice to, and it's nice to know that in science there are no authorities. They're experts. But there's no authorities whose words are beyond question. And everyone, the lowliest high school student, can question the words, not just of a high school teacher, but of a Nobel Prize-winning physicist. And the point is that nature is the arbiter of what's right and wrong. We aren't. And what we like or wish was the case is irrelevant. And you were right. It turns out that as someone got Giordano Bruno was burned at the stake for also arguing that there might be an infinite number of planets. The Catholic Church didn't like that. Uh, happily, you existed in a time when you weren't. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder if I would have changed my story. <laughs> yeah. In, it, it, where does time fit into some of this? I mean, and is time travel conceivable in this universe? Well, time is, you know, is elusive for many people because although general relativity and special relativity tie together space and time, Clearly, there's a difference, because I can go on a round trip to Boston and back from the West Coast, but I can't, at least as far as we know, do a round trip in time. And time seems, you know, so much more elusive, because it has a direction. The future is different than the past. Now, in general relativity, because space and time are tied together, you can imagine, and because the nature of space and time are determined by the energy that fills space, so space curves and expands and contracts in the presence of, of the right kind of energy, you can write down mathematically a kind of energy which would produce a universe in which time travel was possible. And so, so according to the mathematics of general relativity, time travel isn't a priori impossible. But the big question is, so I can write down that kind of energy that I'd need to make a universe in which time travel is possible. But the big question is, can I create that kind of energy? I can certainly write it down mathematically, but physically, can I create it in the laboratory? And the answer is, we don't know. We just don't know. Most of us are probably betting it's unlikely. Um, my friend Stephen Hawking wrote the foreword for one of my books, The Physics of Star Trek, and he, it got in the front pages of the papers in England because he had previously said time travel was impossible, and, and then, of course, in my book, I talk about how it isn't impossible, and since Stephen Hawking changes his mind, you know, about time travel, he previously said time travel is impossible because if it, if it was possible, we'd already be inundated by tourists from the future. However, I, I countered him by saying they all went back to the 1960s and no one noticed. That's right. Now, you may be right, too. <laughs> what excites you the most about what you well, study? Well, I think what excites me is the fact that I don't know what's coming up next. Is that the universe, every day I, I'm surprised if I'm not surprised. Every time we open a new window, as I say, we find vast new new surprises about nature. And so, for me, what's exciting is that is that even though I'm a theoretical physicist and I'm paid to sort of think about how the universe might be, the realization that the universe is stranger than I can imagine is is what excites me. That that that, and also that we can actually build machines and test these ideas. I never thought, I didn't think when I was a young person that we'd ever be at the point of measuring graph of discovering gravitational waves we now have seen them i didn't think the higgs would be discovered in my lifetime i i I'm, i didn't think that we'd be able to actually potentially be able to measure processes back 
evidence of what happened when the universe was a millionth of a billionth of a billionth of a billionth of a second old. But we're on the threshold of being able to do that, too. What we can do with our technology, uh, if, we, if we put our minds to it, is truly remarkable. It, it really is. It, it truly is. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.